And I'm I'm not gonna lie. There are some Saturday mornings where I wake up and go, ugh. really do I really have to get up you know and but then like God does whether it's a church service a sermon a women's bible study a Sunday morning bible study it's like wow I'm so glad that I was there welcome to Christ in all things a conversation about meaning and purpose it's based on a verse from the bible Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, which says, Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Christ in all things is a listening ear into conversations about receiving and giving the love and hope of Christ. And these conversations are an invitation, because as much as you'll hear, and as much as we enjoy having them, digital media operates from a distance, and that's not what's best for us, with God or with one another. So, thanks for listening. And if you're in the neighborhood, we invite you to participate in person in the life that finds its epicenter at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Welcome back to Christ in All Things. I am Pastor Lance O'Donnell. I'm Pastor Jason Shockman. And we're here... Back with Cheryl, Cheryl Tesh. Tesh. She was going to say, and I'm Cheryl Tesh. <laughs> you want to do it again? Let's do it again. <laughs> Welcome to Christ in All Things. I'm Pastor Lance O'Donnell. I'm Pastor Jason Shockman. And I'm Cheryl Tesh. <laughs> who also has been a regular on St. Paul's radio broadcast for, I would guess, a long time. A long time, but I couldn't even begin to tell you since when. I know it's been a long time. Um, No, I really don't know. Yeah, we have a, we have a, it's like 35 years and we've had a radio broadcast at St. Paul's on WTKM out of Hartford, Wisconsin, which has, which has a surprising amount of listeners. I mean, I don't know what the, I don't know what the data is that we have. I wish we had some really good data because I would love to see that. It's, it's been interesting in a, over the years, uh, I was talking about this with our confirmation kids the other day because we're giving the kids options to serve, and we, you know, you can be part of a tech team. And if you're really interested in radio, mm-hmm. you could do that. And yeah, I mean, it's it's not rocket science, you know, for what we have to do. Um, you have to pay attention, so you can't, you know, be distracted, which I have been occasionally, and all of a sudden it's a oh, you know, got to push this button. But um, yeah. I mean, it's it's just paying attention and doing the right buttons and slides when you need to, but it's it's actually fun. I I enjoy it. So yeah, and you're great, and you're you're great at it. And I, yeah, I would encourage you know anybody that even wants to just sit in, you know, one Sunday it doesn't have to be with me. It can be probably with anybody, you know, and just see what it's like. So so yeah, we have. I mean, it, I have any number of times over the last years been to a funeral that I've conducted or been and people meet me and I say, I'm, well, I'm Pastor Lance O'Donnell. Oh, I know you. I hear you on the radio. Now it's not all over the place. I'm not, you know, I'm not some massive pastor celebrity, but, but it, 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 those type of random things here and there Mm -hmm. remind me that that people do listen. I mean, some, you know, not too terribly long ago, my, my son was dating this young woman. Yeah. And, and when 
you know, she went back and she told her grandmother who lived in uh, West Bend, Wisconsin. She said, you know, I started dating this boy named Aiden O'Donnell. And grandma said, is that Pastor O'Donnell's son? <laughs> wow. So she had already been listening. For years. Before. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What a small world. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Joel's aunt um, that lives right here and in Oconomowoc. And Joel is Cheryl's husband. Yes, my husband. His aunt who lives right here in Oconomowoc, she uh, attends, I think, Cross Church out in Exonia. She listens on Sunday mornings. So Yeah. 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 That's great. So when we, when we, you know, when we, we're in part two. So if you haven't listened to part one of our conversation, you might want to go back there. We talk, you know, to recap, we, you know, we asked, we talked about your name and what it means. And we, we started to talk about the things that formed you as a human being. You talked about being the oldest of four kids and, and family life was a little crazy with dad working and then have a second job opening restaurants. And you were deeply involved in that. And, taking care of your younger siblings and mm-hmm. and then toward the end of our conversation we we started talking about your your church life together because in the midst of all of that business busyness your mom especially was a really dedicated churchgoer you went to you went to St. Paul's West Dallas school yes right? and church mm-hmm. and church and then we're at Martin Luther High School right and then your family moved out moved, moved west out and mm-hmm. you stayed there for your senior year, even though, and we started to talk about how things changed for you spiritually. And you, you mentioned something very significant that happened. Yes. When I was 19 years old, I got pregnant and, um, of course the, well, the, the person, uh, the father of Katie, my oldest, um, he was two years younger than me. So that put him at 17. So he was very young and, um, he had of course suggested abortion and that was something that I would never even consider. My mom was very deeply involved in Lutherans for life already at that point in time. Um, and when I called my best friend at the time to let her know, I said to her, God has given this baby to me and he will be the only one that takes it away from me. So, um, and I think that was one of the first turning points in my life. And because back then we're talking 1980, Mm -hmm. um, it it doesn't seem like it should be that long ago, but it was a long time ago. And, uh, you know, even just to show you, uh, I was working at Olympia at the time. I worked at the front desk. I was the front office manager. Olympia, by the way, Olympia for our resort, listeners, yes. yeah, it, it was, an, was a resort. Now it doesn't exist right. near what, what is now I-94 mm-hmm. uh, in Oconomowoc. But um, so my role as front desk was obviously very visible. And when I was pregnant, I was told, you may not work at the front desk anymore. You are going to need to work third shift and doing the night audit. Now, obviously, you wouldn't get away with that in today's world. Mm-mm. But that's what I did. I then went to third shift and did that. But, um, and also when I got pregnant, my dad wanted to kick me out of the house. He wanted nothing to do with me. He was extremely embarrassed and, um, he did not speak to me. Um, even at church, you know, it, it was a time where people would talk, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this was, this was not right. And my mom just, she just kept encouraging me and insisting, you know, we're going to, we're still going to go to church and things like that. And we did. And, um, dad, you know, mom obviously refused to let him kick me out of the house. Um, but 
it was tense. It was yeah. very a very tense time. And yeah. um, the day that Katie was born, my dad was the first one at the hospital. Yeah. And they have had a very, very special relationship from that day forward. So, yeah. It was just, he was hurt, you know, and because, you know, as any parent, you, you think you're raising your kids, right. Right. And, um, you, you think that you can protect them from all the evils of the world and things like that. And in reality, you just, you can't. And that's how, you know, I feel very strongly. That's how we learn from our mistakes. And I also feel that there's a plan for what happens. God has a plan. He's bigger and you know, way smarter than I am. So, uh, you know, sir, sure, we can look back and go, why? You know, but I, I can answer a lot of the why to that. Um, fast forward a few years, Katie was uh, three when I started dating Mark Brunette, who was a pastor here at the time. And um, we were engaged um, to be married in 1986. Um he broke that off and that was again, the end of my life Hmm. and coming from your perspective, coming from my perspective, because in my, you know, in my, I guess, naive perceptions, I'm like, how could this happen? This is a pastor. This is a man of God, right? How does this, how God can you let this happen? Right. This is your plan. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I, I was bad. I was very bad. And, um, I had, uh, Jamie Stocky is the person that finally brought me out of the depths. And, uh, I will never forget. Jamie's a member of the congregation, very involved in human care ministries and out mission type things outside. We were, we were, um, we were friends at the time and, um, you know, we, we just had some mutual interests and things like that, obviously being around the church and whatnot. But um, she was the one that finally got me out of my funk. And, um, you know, I thank her to this day, really. Um, and as a result of that... Um, and you were, when you and Pastor Burnett mm-hmm. were engaged, you yeah. were 20... 26. You were 26. Yep, yep. Um and uh so you dated for some three time. years yeah, okay three yeah. years and wow. yeah so it was pretty serious i mean the one thing i remember though and you know i can certainly say that this was part of the reason why you know it ended was he wanted me to move to arkansas he was a dual pastor for two churches in arkansas at the time and i just i was not prepared to leave my family yet right and i just felt like i can't do that you know um the wedding's going to be in Wisconsin anyway. So I'm just going to be here for this year and do wedding things. Right. And, uh, so maybe that was part of it. I don't know. I, I I don't know the reason, but, um, well, I do know the reason I won't share that, but anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, I was, I was pretty bad off and, um, as you know, Jamie was the first person that really helped me get back. And then, um, other people that she was friends with and involved with at the church, um, they got me involved in youth ministry. At the time, it was Gary Gerlock, Roxy's ex-husband, and Dan Wallace. Um, of you the, know, l- the late Dan Wallace. The late Dan yeah. Wallace. And they were 
basically heading up youth ministry at the time and invited me to come and take notes, be the secretary for the board, as it were. Well, you know, if you remember back to the first part where I talked about developing as a leader, it wasn't long that Cheryl just kind of took over. So, (laughs) yeah. The youth ministry stuff. The youth ministry stuff. And I spent 12 years as um, director of youth ministry here. And um, at the beginning in your late 20s. Yeah, actually, my early 20s, because um, Katie was very young at the time. And she had to obviously come with me everywhere. And I was very involved in youth ministry. I mean, it was. It was my thing. I mean, I found something that I could really attach to and really took pride in it and everything else. And so we had a lot of activities. We met a lot. It was a different world back then. You know, it wasn't well, as wasn't as difficult to get kids, you know, and things like that. And but your event planning background kind of yeah, lended itself it started, to that. Yeah, it started to, you know, it, it started to grow, I guess, yeah. as a result of that. And um yeah, I spent 12 years uh, youth youth ministry here, and um, just John, curious. Yeah, where would the youth meet? All over the place, wherever they could find a spare closet for us. Basically, yeah. there was a time where we did meet in the um, the closet that's in the where the mailboxes are. <laughs> that was a youth room at one point in time. Wow. Okay. So, youth, if you're listening to this, we are fortunate. Yes. <laughs> So, By the way, Cheryl, you need to come upstairs. So again, yeah. we're rec- we're recording, and it's the thirtieth of August, yes. two thousand twenty-three, in upstairs in room two nineteen, which is our our really biggest classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is that is now carpeted. It has brand new furniture. Wow for the for the youth. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, sick. No, I, I, I feel like every year we had to move. Yeah. Um, because things were changing. That kind of lines up with the the history that I have gathered mm-hmm. uh, since coming to St. Paul's. Yeah. Is, uh, well, yeah, we met there and then, well, the school needed that space. So you, we got bumped to somewhere else. Oh, the, well, yeah, they, but then the, the extended care program needed more space. So the youth got bumped to somewhere else and, oh, well, this group needed that. So, you know, it's kind of always been uh-huh. the case uh-huh. um, and a different time today than it was then. Yes. Right. Cause the expectation then was the, the church was the center of social activity. Right. And if you were going to hang out with your friends, outside of school yeah youth group was where you did did that yep that's where you did that and um so that um that part of my life um was another aspect that really um changed my you know my spiritual connection um don miller a former member of Mm saint paul's he and i worked together very closely on youth ministry he managed the junior high kids i I don't do junior high. Um, <laughs> we all have our gifts. Yeah. Um, seniors, uh, the senior high is, is where my, um, I was better with them. And so we worked together, obviously, on a lot of things. And then for different aspects, we separated. But uh, Youth Gathering, Denver, I think it was 1990 or 1991, 
uh, Red Rocks Amphitheater, National News. Fun. Huge storm, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was not fun. It was not fun. It was not fun at all. Red Rocks is cool. Oh, the Red Rocks is beautiful, but the National Youth Gathering at Red Rocks, it did not turn out well. Did not go well. So we had thousands of kids out there, and there was a big storm. Big storm. Huge. Oh, crud. And of course, they warned people of the storms that could come in very suddenly. And they said, you know, it might be 85 here when we leave, but up there if it if the weather changes you're going to want to take a sweatshirt well of course or a jacket some kids listen most kids don't and sure enough um without any warning a storm came in and it was so bad that it washed out the road that the buses brought us up there so the buses could not get back and people had scattered and you lost your group and when everybody i mean there there were people that you know, broken arms and legs from literally just chaos of trying to get back to the, the summit or whatever, whatever you call that, where the bus is parked, you know, there's a big landing Mm -hmm. area up on the top. And that's where everybody was then trying to get to if this, you know, I'm I'm circling here on the table, everybody was here. And then um, people were trying to figure out how to find the members of their group of their of their church. And, um, they suddenly somebody started yelling out the names of hotels. That's how you were going to find your people because obviously your group all stayed at the same hotel. So you were just hearing people screaming the names of, I don't even know how many hotels. And um, eventually, you know, they had, they had helicopters that had to come up for people that were more seriously injured. Um, I think one adult chaperone I heard had a heart attack during all of this. Um, Oh my. It was long and hypothermia. Did you know this story, Pastor Shockman? Yes. A lot of people were being treated for hypothermia at hospitals and things like that. The really cool thing was as as they were finally able to start getting buses up very slowly and very spread apart, the kids that were able to get on buses, they were now handing their sweatshirts off to the kids that were still up there, not knowing how long they were going to be up there yet. And it was cold. I mean, and the hail the hail was just like beating you. Uh, you, had, you had no cover. You had yeah. nothing. And Don and I um, actually were two of the last people off of that mountain. Wow. And we were just making sure that, obviously, that there's those, you know, Cheryl's going to take charge and get this done, right? And Don was right there alongside, and we were on the last bus off. And this was probably, I don't know, 2 in the morning or something like that. And we're on the bus and we had no idea where our kids were. We had no, we had, I think we had, I know there was one youth gathering where we took 36 people, which is a big group for a youth gathering. I don't recall if that's the Denver one or not, but we had a large group and we had no idea where they were. And my sister was on this trip. And so I am deathly afraid of what happened to my sister and just hoping and praying that she's back at the hotel um, when we got back. Cheryl Olsner was on that trip. She was at the hospital with a broken arm, I believe. And, um, yeah. So that changed. I tell people to this day that that changed my life, that experience. So how so just seeing the, um, the power of God in so many different ways and seeing how, um, people, kids were responding to what, you know, I mean, there was chaos and there was fear. There was great fear. And um, just seeing kids give to other kids, you know, and um, just that sense of 
I don't know what I'm going to find when I get back to the hotel. I mean, did we lose anybody? I mean, literally lose anybody, right? Mm-hmm. And um, not like, did they die? Did we lose them? But did we lose them? Like, are they somewhere, both. Are they somewhere both. else in Denver? Both, because yeah. we were hearing horrible things yeah. were happening to people. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of people in hospitals and, yeah. and things like that. So um, Cheryl was our was our biggest, not me, Cheryl. Cheryl Olsner was our biggest, um, Cheryl Thorough at the time, um, was our biggest injury, you know, with the broken limb. But um, other than that, all were accounted for. And, um, yeah, it just, I really, from that time on, I just really, I got it. I don't know. Does that make sense? It yeah. makes a lot I of just sense. got it. Yeah. And so, obviously, this is, you know, I, I, I again, I was still young at the time. So, in my mind, I was still young, but <laughs> it was probably 30-something, I would imagine. But, um, maybe for, 1990. Yeah, I was 30. I was 30. I was exactly 30. And um, so I was still growing my faith. Obviously, I still am. And we talk a lot about that at Women of Joy, about how you can't possibly mature in your faith and your walk with Jesus unless you are surrounding yourselves with people that help you do that, right? In one, in however God has intended that to be. So it's, yeah. And ever since then, um, my heart has been in service. Yeah. So yep. it's making me think of a Latin quote from Luther meditatio oratio tentatio faciunt te logum meditation, prayer, testing. Mm. So uh, he's make di- a theologian, dis- you know, disciplined reflection on the scriptures, mm-hmm. worship. Yeah. With other corporate worship mm-hmm. and the experience of the cross right. and suffering. Right. And, you know, help you get it. Yeah. And the suffering, the suffering that I went through with the, with the breakup, the engagement breakup. I mean, at that point in time, I just, I went to James. Why I went to James? I don't know. The book of James. The book of James. And there was a lot of stuff in there that really helped me. You know, could I quote any of that to you today? (laughs) No, no. And that's okay. But all I know is Mm -hmm. whatever I was reading over and over again in James, that's what helped get me through that. Kind of sounds like this guy who said, I don't know, but all I know is I was blind, but now I see. see. Right, (laughs) right. And again, you know, we don't understand this stuff. We can't possibly understand this stuff, but it's your faith that gets you through these situations. So, Cheryl, we were just talking about this. We were having meetings getting ready for confirmation which has begun in St. Paul's school and Mm -hmm. will begin for the public school kids soon. We're meeting with kids and parents in the evenings, both last night and and, tonight and, and tonight. And we were talking about this, this very thing, you know, we teach you the faith. We want you to master the catechism. We want you to know this when, and you'll get confirmed and you'll make your promises to God and you'll mean it. Mm -hmm. And then life happens. And, and, And then, then the onion starts to get peeled back over time. You'll experience some kind of suffering in it. And it doesn't mean that you didn't mean it when you said it, when you were 13, 14, but with then what happens is you really start to get it more deeply. Yeah. And, um, you just, I just feel so strongly that you can't get it unless you're here on a regular basis yeah. here in the word, as I'm pointing to mm-hmm. and in the fellowship of other believers 
Mm-hmm. It's just so important. And yeah. I, I just don't know, you know, we've lost, obviously you both know <laughs> all too well how many people we've lost to regular attendance since the pandemic. And again, we talk about this. And this and that and the other thing. And mm-hmm. Deeply in Women of Joy. And um Women of Joy, explain explain what that is. Rather than me do it, you do it. Right. So, right. So, Women of Joy uh, started. Gosh, oof, year five. How about long am I doing this? Five years now, I think it's been. And it was a thought over a glass of wine with a friend of mine, Sarah Junio, who was a member here as well. Um, and we were just sitting one night and said, you know, I think we need to start a women's ministry and a women's Bible study group. And, um, for various reasons, Sarah doesn't, isn't a member here anymore. And we had gotten about a year, year and a half under our belt together and Sarah left. And I just said, I'm not going to let this go. And like I said, my life is service and it's just what I love to do. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. There are some Saturday mornings where I wake up and go, ugh. <laughs> really, do I really have to get up? You know, and but then, like God does, whether it's a church service, a sermon, a women's Bible study, a Sunday morning Bible study, it's like, wow, I'm so glad that I was there, right? And and you just want other people to feel that, and that's it's it's I'm so passionate about that that I don't. It's like, oh, and I know it's not me; it's the Holy Spirit, but it's like, oh. Well, no, there's, there's something really significant to be said. We talk about this when we meet with parents prior to baptism, the, the discipline, the, the habit of worship. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't feel it's like so many other things in, in life that if you, you, you practice the habit of it and then the, the Lord has a way of making that work. And then the benefit comes. Mm-hmm. And you practice the habit of it, and you develop the habit of it, and then the benefit comes. Yeah, we appro- we approach worship very often culturally. I think like fast food, and we want to, you know, I didn't get fed today. Yeah. Yeah. Consumeristically, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But, right. But but there, you know, over time, and it's it's about hearing. It's and it's about being there with other people and, and learning the vocabulary of the faith, so that through the liturgy through the responses of the people together through the hymns you sing through the hymns you sing and the words you say and the the songs you sing the you you learn that vocabulary of the faith so that when the hailstorm comes at red rocks you have it mm-hmm. and you you can rely on it um, and when when the pastor walks into the hospital room and says the lord be with you and your first response is and with thy spirit <laughs> And also with you. And also with you, right? Um, And that changes the tone of the conversation that you're about to have. Well, right. I mean, think about the metaphor of the hailstorm, right? Yeah. I mean, good grief. How many hailstorms do we have in life? (laughs) Tons. Tons. And, you know, this Just last year. Right, right. And this thing about attendance at church regularly, you know, and you hear people talk about, you know, my kids are young, it's hard, it's difficult, you know, they they don't get anything out of it anyway. And the answer is... Yes. yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it and is. I understand that you don't get anything out of it right now because you're busy paying attention to your kid while you're sitting in the pew, but your kid's getting something out of it because yes. they're learning that you make this a habit. Right. And they are hearing and oh, yeah. they are. So uh, 
I don't, know if, you, I don't that, know if you remember this, Pastor O'Donnell, but it was during one of your sermons. And Levi, he was probably three at the time. He's sitting there. He's coloring on a piece of paper. It's a sermon. And you use the word koinonia in a, in a sermon. And Levi pops up and he goes, koinonia. <laughs> I have no idea what it means, but I, no I repeat what, it. But he heard it. It was a strange word for him. And then he just says it out loud right in the middle of your sermon. And people around us were laughing, of course, because it was adorable yeah but um but yeah and now even now as he's older he's nine I see him you know he's not necessarily reading the the hymnal even though he could um but he's saying the words like if it comes to the creed or some of the responses he's saying those words so they are hearing Mm -hmm. and they are taking it in just like they do in life you think that they don't hear what you're talking about you think they don't see what you're doing oh yeah they do Yeah, yeah they do yeah so you, you did the single parent thing for mm-hmm. quite some time, long time, long how many, time. How many years was it before you and Joel got married? Mm. Um, let's see. Katie would have been 13 when we got married. So, so you were a single mom for 13 years. Yes. Yes. And, um, yes, my parents were very gracious, um, in that most of the time I lived with them, Katie and I lived with them. Um, I never had a a job that was good enough to, you know, allow for independent living and, um, especially, you know, going, putting Katie in Lutheran school, it's not, it's not inexpensive, you know, back then, (laughs) you know, well, it's all relative, right? Back then, whatever tuition was, it was still hard. So, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, they were very gracious. Obviously, like I said, my dad came around and Katie and him were best friends, but, um, I love that story. Yeah, I moved to Madison for a time when Katie was young. She was a baby at the time, uh, under a year old. I moved to Madison for a job, and that was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And I moved back home, you know, in short order. So, Where's, where's Katie now? Katie is now living above the apartment from my mom. She was living with my mom when she moved back from New Jersey. And now she's living in the apartment right above my mom. So it works out great. Yeah. I, oh, my goodness. I just, uh Katie should be a stand-up comedian for some of the things that she would share about living with grandma. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's for another day. Maybe and, that's for another and, day. And yeah. maybe that's another conversation we can have here yeah. at Christ and All Things at some point uh, um, with mom and daughter together. Or maybe three generations of the mm, girls all yeah. in one time. Wouldn't that be fun? Sure, we're going to have to sign off here. Yeah. I wonder if you have something you want to leave people with. Or have we said it already? I, You know what? And I have said this to people. I see so many new young families coming in, and I love that. In fact, I just mentioned it to Chris Hesse on the way out of church last week, and I said it's a great thing. And we all know how difficult and busy life is, right? We get that. But if you have an opportunity to serve, even if it's working concessions at a basketball game, do it. You will not be disappointed. And you will be amazed at what it does for you, for your soul, just for um, your 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 spiritual growth. Um, it's it's just if you have an opportunity to serve, and don't think you have to do big things. Little things are so important and so helpful. So just do it. Reminds me of something that Jesus said: "The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, mm-hmm. and to give His life." as a ransom for the many. Thanks for joining us here at Christ in All Things. We'll see you next time.
For show notes and other information about Christ in All Things, visit ChristInAllThings.org. Comments may be emailed to comments at ChristInAllThings.org. We're thankful to provide Christ in All Things to you as a gift. But it's not free to produce and distribute. So if you'd like to help us make Christ in All Things a self-supporting show and have a little fun in the process, please click the support page at ChristInAllThings.org. A donation of any kind gets you a dozen environmentally friendly Christ in All Things straws to share with your friends. Pastor Shockman loves these. That is so not true. You love those way too much, and I still can't believe you bought them. A donation of $200 or more gets you some cheerful on-air clapping. And a pair of Wisconsin-made wigwam hiking socks. A donation of $1,000 or more gets you thunderous on-air clapping. And a handmade Christ in All Things leather folio by the Murdy Creative Company. If you want to donate more than that, well, fly us wherever you want, and we will record Christ in All Things at your chosen location. Within reason, of course. All post-production surplus supports youth ministry at St. Paul's. Thank you for your support. Christ in All Things is a production of St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. For more information about St. Paul's, visit splco.org, email us at info at splco.org, or the old-fashioned way, give us a call, 262-567-5001. Intro and outro music, setting by Joseph Hurl. Copyright 1998, Concordia Publishing House, used with permission.